If you are able to stand, I want to invite you to stand as we read Revelation chapter 7, answering the question at the end of chapter 6, who can stand? I want you to see as, as we look at God's word, see if you can learn who is it who can stand when the judgment of Jesus falls. Revelation 7 verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. And then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel, 12,000 from each of these tribes of Judah were sealed of Reuben, of Gad, of Asher, of Naphtali, of Manasseh, 12,000 of Simeon and of Levi and Issachar and Zebulun and and of Joseph and of Benjamin were sealed. Verse 9, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation. From all tribes and peoples and languages. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these? Clothed in white robes. And from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God. And serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Now, before you take your seat, let me say, (laughs) let me say one thing. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. You may be seated. 
Revelation 7 is, is just stuffed with so many wonderful things. And I, I can't cover all of it. And I'm, I'm afraid I may frustrate some of you with what I do and don't cover. But I want you to know I'm, I'm, I'm here to serve you. And I, I want you to know um, what, what, is, what is clearly being taught in this amazing chapter. Happy for you to come to me afterward and ask all the questions. But I want you to notice that Revelation 6 ended in hell. And Revelation 7 ends in heaven. So at the end of verse 17, you can just see there, God is going to wipe away all the tears from their eyes. This is the place of heaven where all of the difficulties of this life are gone. Heaven. And then there's also hell. And we're all going to make it Somewhere. Do you ever wonder. Am I going to make it. To heaven. You just. Honestly. Admit. That common question. Do you want. To know. For sure. You're going to make it. Well, Revelation 7 has two. Two looks at how everyone who makes it to heaven. How every one of those who makes it to heaven actually makes it to heaven. The title of the sermon is we're going to make it. But the. To put that into a sentence that summarizes the whole chapter. God gets all his own all the way home. That's what Revelation 7 teaches us. God gets all his own all the way home. And, and like I said, there are two sections that teach us how, how he gets all his own all the way home. And the first one is in verses 1 through 8. Verses 1 through 8, we're told that the living God sealed his own. The living God sealed his own. The, the chapter begins with these four angels that, that have to stand there at the corners of the world to hold back all the, the harming winds that would blow otherwise. And, and I, I think what they're doing is they're holding back the seals of judgment that we saw in chapter 6. They're holding back those seals of judgment and not letting any of them come yet until this other angel comes up and says, he's got the seal of the living God and he, and he says, don't let any harm come to God's own people. Don't let any harm come at all until God's people are sealed. So you could say just very simply that what, the answer is to the, the, the question at the end of chapter 6, can anyone stand? The, here is the answer right here. The only way that anyone can stand 
is you have to be sealed by the living God. That's a simple explanation of what's going on in verses 1 through 8. And if you're okay with it, I'll just skip all that number business and uh, move on to verse 9. Or I could say just a few things about the numbers. Um, This 12 tribes of 12,000 people each who will be sealed by the living God and not experience the judgment of God. God owned a people back in the Old Testament. And that people were made up of 12 tribes. And and, and so what God's doing here is he's teaching us about it, what what it means to be his own right now by using that example from the Old Testament. You remember the story with Abraham when when God the Father goes up to God the Son and the Spirit and says, hey, uh, have you considered this chap Abraham? Yeah, the fella worshiping the moon. Um, that's a bit upsetting. You know, we made the moon. Uh, but he just seems to have a whole bunch of potential in him. He's really going after that moon thing. And I think if we if we came up to him and just gave him an offer. What do you think about just presenting it to him and saying, are you interested in coming over to our side? And then the Son and the Spirit said, well, it doesn't hurt to ask him. Oh, man, that was meant to be so wrong. It was supposed to be funny. Uh, I assume you know that did not happen that way. Um, When Abraham was called by God, he was living just like the rest of the world that was filled with rebels against God. The whole world is filled with people worshiping the wrong God. Abraham is no different. And yet God was determined to have a people. He's determined. I'm going to save people to know me. And so if I'm going to have people who are my own, I've just got to pick some and just set them apart. And so he just selected Abraham and he has these Children, and they're listed here, his great-grandchildren, who became the 12 tribes of the people of Israel, to teach us this lesson. Those who are going to make it to heaven are chosen by God, just like Israel was, just like Abraham was. And here there are 12 tribes each having 12,000 people. I want you to just to remember that we're going to see this over and over in the book of Revelation, that numbers in Revelation are more than figures. They're loaded. They're loaded with meaning. So what what 144,000 is communicating to us is that the number of the people God is going to seal and save is a precise It's calculated right there in front of us. It's a calculated number. But it's not saying that there's just going to be 144,000 people exactly. It's going to be a precise, exact, calculated number. We have 12 here over and over. 12, uh, it, it means complete because that was his complete people before. But then that 12 is squared and then it's multiplied by another huge and perfect number, 1,000. 
And it's teaching us this. God's own are gonna make it. Every single one he has selected to save and seal. He seals them for this salvation. Sealing is kind of like a brand. It is is marking who you belong to. And, And what he's doing when he seals these people before any of the judgment falls is my judgment is not going to fall on my own people. So the seal is going to guard them from. It's a seal that guarantees their safety to teach us God gets all his own. All of them. He's going to get them all the way home. And yet, he's not hiding the fact that the way home is hard. The way he'll speak about it in verse 14 is to speak of his own coming out of the great tribulation. That's not a one-time event in the future. If that's the way you're thinking about the Great Tribulation, that's not what this is referring to. Because John saw it, and John experienced it, and the people who he originally wrote to experienced it. The Great Tribulation, it's great because this is all the trouble. All the trouble and tribulation that all believers will have to endure to get home, and it's going to be hard. Through tribulation we get home. It includes how we experience some of the judgments, not upon us, but upon this rebellious world that we will experience the effects of. The Great Tribulation includes all the troubles you're going to face if you're a believer. All the pressures you will face and have faced in your life. Pressures from the ungodly to be unfaithful to the Lord. Pressures even from demonic beings to... Turn away from the Lord. The way home is hard and God wants us to believe. Nonetheless, we're going to make it. But because it's so hard. He doesn't just give us a past ceiling. He also gives us a present leading. A present leading. So point number two Not only do all God's people make it all the way home because the living God sealed his own, but verses 9 through 17, the Lamb of God leads his own. Lamb of God leads his own. We saw in chapter 6 all of the the seals being opened and they were referring to the judgments that are happening right now. And then they led to that sixth seal that was the final judgment well here in verses 9 through 17 we have final salvation it's a picture of final salvation and what we had heard about in verses 1 through 8 was that god had sealed an exact number of his own just like we will experience over and over in the book of revelation we'll hear one thing And then when we turn to see that thing, it is even greater than we could have imagined. They hear it's an exact number. They see a number that is so great, 
no one will be able to count. This is the same group of people in verses 9 through 17 that we saw in verses 1 through 8. It's just a different perspective. Verse 9. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation. From all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne. And before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm trees in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Don't get this twisted. Salvation belongs to our God. And and part of Part of what that means is he is selective, but he's not stingy. He's not stingy. Every tribe, every nation. Too many to possibly count. We're going to make it. Because, verses 9 through 12, God's going to make sure we make it. All of his own. All the way home. He's going to make sure it happens. I've told you before about a rule in our house. We just have too many people in our house to get anything done that's got to get done if too many people, uh, there's too much work and and too many people to help. The only way it's all going to get done is if everyone helps, right? So we say regularly, our family just cannot work if you don't work. And then we, we say to each one of our children, you've got to do the hardest thing that you can do well. We just need you to do the hardest thing that you can do well. Um, So I I don't want our children leaving the dishes to our youngest because then within a week we won't have any more dishes. They'll be all broken. She can't be trusted to carry all those. So kids, you need to do that. You got to do the hardest thing you can do well. And mommy, don't do dishes. Okay? Here's why mommy don't do dishes. Mommy is way too capable. She does really, really hard things. And if she's doing the dishes instead of the kids, then she's also going to have to do all these other things that I can't do? I mean, she's too good. We need her doing those things. We need to free her up to do the hardest things that she can do well. And so we all have to do it. Do you want to know what the hardest thing in the entire world to do is it's getting a sinner saved do you believe that (laughs) some of you do I wonder if you all believe believe this it's not so easy as just giving an invitation and standing up and walking 
or raising a hand in secret. No, no. Getting a proud, weak sinner through this world that is filled with danger. And filled with all kinds of distractions that lead us away from God and make us not care about God. To get that kind of creature all the way home to God's home. That's the hardest thing in all the world. And God did not leave that work to us. We're going to make it. But we ain't taking no credit at all. They sing out when they get there, when they get there and they make it all the way home and they have those white robes on. And they're they're waving their palm branches because they're so overjoyed that they have been spared from all of the wrath of God that they know that they deserve. When they get there, every one of them says one thing. Salvation belongs to our God and to the lamb. And then when all the angels hear that, they say, amen. And then they give this blessing, this sevenfold, which is the complete blessing It all goes to God. No one's taking any credit here. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God. Because otherwise, none of them would be here. And look at everyone who's here. We can't even number everyone who's here. All the blessing has to go to him. All the honor has to go to him. Every bit of the thanks has to go to him. All the praise has to go to him. It all goes to him. He did it all. No one's there bragging. There's not going to be a part of the service where the pastor comes up for with a report. With a bunch of numbers. And beloved, we won't be there. Talking about how much we had it right in our church and avoided the way that other people did that wrong. Salvation belongs, is owned by our God. And I hope that that can be of some comfort to you if you trust Him. If you can trust Him. Can you trust Him with this? The salvation doesn't belong to you. Not your salvation. And not the salvation of anyone you want to be saved either. Salvation doesn't belong to parents. And salvation doesn't belong to pastors. And salvation doesn't belong to praying grannies. And salvation doesn't belong to the most zealous missionaries. If it did belong to any one of us, it would be gone. We're going to make it. And listen, beloved, we're going to make it. And a lot are not going to make it. We're going to make it. Not because of us. Not because we're different than them. 
but only because of him. And so if you're here and you recognize that you do not love or follow or trust the Lord Jesus Christ, when you hear me say, we're going to make it. I don't want you to hear any kind of pride when I say it. And I also don't want you to think that you can never make it. We're going to make it because not just God's going to make sure, but in verses 13 and 14, God's son made us clean. God's son made us clean. This is why no one should ever, ever, ever think that God selected anyone he saves based on anything in them. There is nothing good in anyone who is saved. We're all in God's eyes anyway, not comparing ourselves to other people. Just stop doing that in God's eyes in comparison to God. We're filthy. We're filthy with the things that God himself hates. We we're, we're, we're filthy and unacceptable in his eyes because our hearts are so self-centered and not God-centered. We're unclean with all the sins of your brand of sins, my brand of sins, but they're all just not loving God and not trusting God. And we have lives that are filled with it. This week I asked my wife, I told you she's good at so many things. I end up asking her for a lot of things. I asked her, sweetness, uh, can you get this stain out of my white hat? And I will admit I was disappointed in her answer. She said, well, it depends on what the stain is. And I said, really? Ain't none of your Norwex. Can't you apply a little bit of that Norwex? You got all kind of these colors. Get the purple one. Let's try the green one. No. None of your essential oils can do anything to this. There are certain stains that cannot come out of white. Just understand, at the end of Revelation, God says, nothing unclean will enter my home. No one who does anything detestable to me, anything false, will will come into my home. God's home is pristine. We have to be white. We have to be perfectly clean. And it's just surprising. What gets the stain out? Think about it in verse 13. One of the elders asked John, who are these who are clothed in white? Where have they come from? Verse 14. These, he answers his own question. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes. And made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, blood is one of those stains that is impossible to get out. 
And it's only blood, a certain kind of blood, that is able to make us clean, to make us white, to get us home. Jesus Christ has already handled the hardest part of the way home. Every single human is stained with sin. And therefore, we are marked for blood. We we are marked out by God, deserving our blood to be spilled, our guilt to be punished. And the only way that we can deal with our stain... You can deal with it. And if you choose not to trust Jesus, you're going to deal with it. And the way that God is going to deal with your marking out for blood is to endure hell. Our sin requires an eternal death. That's the cost of our guilt. To cleanse us from that guilt requires either our blood or A different kind of blood, an innocent blood, a death of someone who did not deserve death. And the Lamb of God leads us first by making us clean. I wonder, are you going to make it? You're not going to make it. If you count on anything in you. You're not going to make it. If you imagine a God who can find you or anyone acceptable. He doesn't accept any human. Except for his son. And he will accept not only his son, but everyone who is drenched in the blood of his son. Now you might. Now objects, but what if I'm not sealed? This is, this is the point where some people get tripped up with the plain teaching of Scripture. Right there in the Bible, we're told that God sealed those he would save. But some people get tripped up over God being God, over salvation, or this part of salvation belonging to him. I just want to... Draw your attention to what the sealed do. What is it that the sealed do? Verse 14, they wash their robes in the blood of the lamb. And then what we're going to see next is they then follow the lamb. That's what the sealed do. Don't worry about whether you've got some secret mark on your forehead. If you want to be saved, acknowledge that you are unclean. And that you cannot clean yourself up. And foul. Recognizing how foul you are. Fly to the fountain of Jesus' blood. Throw yourself upon the death of Jesus Christ. In the place of sinners. And you will be made clean. And then you will make it. The Lamb of God. Leads his own. But if you have been led by him for any amount of time. You may be able to admit with me that living for the lamb. 
is hard. It's hard. God's own are different from the world. At times we experience a smallness in comparison to what seems to be thriving. God's own experience dangers that are unique to us. Sometimes God's own are even martyred. Redeemer Church is acquainted with hard. Not just from the experience of people rejecting us because of the things that we believe or the the life we know that the Lord has called us to live. But we experience the hard of the burden that we carry because we know we don't honor the Lord the way that we should. We know. Do you know? You don't. Honor the Lord the way He deserves. Isn't that part of what's hard about waiting for home? Isn't it hard to make it all the way there? It reminds me, my own experience of this reminds me of my experience of driving anywhere outside of Graham with a car full of children. Now, uh, Friday morning, I heard the question from my littlest, who shall remain nameless. Uh, Are we there yet? Over and over and over. And you keep saying, no, we're not there yet. And some children then conclude, we'll never be there. We'll never make it because... (laughs) You know, because we're not there yet, we're never going to make it. The way home is hard and long, but we're going to make it. Because verses 15 through 17 tell us that God's shepherd knows the way. And rather than getting impatient and asking it constantly or or, or concluding because we're discouraged not being there yet, we need to trust the one who's leading the way. God's home is going to be so worth it, beloved. Everything that causes us pain in this world is going to be gone. No more hunger. No more thirsting. Everything that brings tears out. All of that will be gone there in his home. And what what is being emphasized in these verses is is how it is gone, how we're protected by it. God gets all his own all the way home. It, it, It says it right there. God is going to shelter us from everything dangerous. And 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 God's the lamb of God is going to lead us. He's going to be our shepherd. So, beloved, whenever you experience doubt at how long it's taking and how hard it is. If you want security, if you want to know we're going to make it, you need to look at God and not at you. Stop looking at the road. 
Stop looking at the time. Stop looking at you. Stop, don't, stop thinking about how weak you are. Stop thinking about how, how much you fail. Stop thinking about how vulnerable you are. I mean, th- this whole section of Revelation started with a search, didn't it? It started with a search for someone, anyone who is worthy. Anyone who is worthy to be trusted by God with the dearest promises of God. To what we see to judge his enemies and to save his people. And beloved, whenever you doubt whether you're going to make it, look at the lamb. He died for us. His blood made us clean. And he has conquered every enemy. That we could not. And he'll continue doing so. Until we're all the way home. Beloved. He is worthy. To get all of God's own home. Do you. Trust the lamb. Do you trust him. To make sure. You are going to make. Oh God, we pray that you would cause this word to bear much fruit. Don't let the enemy come and steal it away. But bear much fruit by causing us to see your son. And to trust him alone. To get us all the way home. And God, may we live. Every moment till then, giving all praise to him. We ask this in his name. Amen.